Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this day, which uh, could be the calm before the storm. We're going to get down into single digits in the next couple days and uh, some measurable snow here on the front range, maybe four or five inches and maybe more and maybe up to a foot or more up in the fire areas. That would be fantastic. We have to, speaking of the fires, um, we are going to monitor them today and we'll try to keep you posted. The last report I got this morning was that the, the, um, East side of the Troublesome Fire is only a mile from Estes Park right now, and they're experiencing very high winds. So keep our fingers crossed for those folks up there. We're also going to talk during different parts of the show today about options during these fires we're having for you to get outdoors. Uh, Hunters, if you drew a tag that's in those areas that are closed to the fire, I've posted on my Facebook page, a um, the options. We did an interview with Colorado Parks and Wildlife a week or two ago. And there's, there's a process and options to get your points and a refund of your tag and what other options you have as far as hunting. That's on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It's, I think, the second post down. So if you go to the page and look at that, it'll guide you through that process. But it's uh, let's get through today. I mean, none of us love to get snow down here in the front range, but we need this weather. It's going to get cold, but then the end of next weekend, it's going to warm up again. So during the course of today, we're going to take you not only about upcoming outdoor activities, but some that are pretty active right yet and some that you can do very soon. Speaking of that, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, he's a Hall of Fame angler. You see him on television on Lake Commandos. In fact, I think he's been on TV so long, they're probably doing reruns of him in the 60s. Steve Panaz, good morning. (laughs) Oh, Terry, you're always a nice guy. (laughs) No, you know what? I can tease you about that because I'm older than you. But, but, you know, on a serious, seriously, you're just a very accomplished angler. You've done so much in the outdoors, Steve. And even with that being said, I don't think a lot of people – realize how early in your career you made an impact on the ice fishing world um you came i mean almost right out of the gate and won a national championship is that right yeah and the first national championship i actually fished uh ended up winning winning the event and then uh, was invited to fish in the world ice fishing championships in Finnery, finland that year as a member of team usa and it was quite an experience i mean uh, to learn how they fish uh and, you know, in Finland and that area, we, we competed against uh, the Russian team. We competed against Finn, Swede, uh, uh, Luxembourg was even at a team, France. And it was very interesting meeting anglers from all over the world and having a chance to actually get together and learn some new techniques. But it was, uh, yeah, it was very educational. Well, you know, we have a real strong ice fishing contingent here in Colorado. And folks, trust me, by this time tomorrow, you'll feel like talking ice fishing. It's going to be six inches. Six inches of snow in single digits. Um, Steve, so does a lot of people turn to these ice fishing shows and these outdoor shows and these in-store seminars for a lot of information on ice fishing. And this year, that's going to be difficult for a lot of people because of COVID. 
Uh, so you've gotten together. I want to talk both about this event you're doing and then some tactics with you. But you've kind of partnered yep. up with somebody our fans are very familiar with, uh, Bro Bros Doll. He's been a frequent guest on this show. He's been on my television show several times. And he's well known for his ice fishing prowess also. And you and Bro have teamed up to kind of put together some programs because you can't get to these ice shows. Is that right? We have Brian. Uh, Bro has been a good friend of mine for years. We actually grew up in the na- same neighborhood in Minneapolis, and he ended up becoming a full-time guide and moving north, and, and I ended up going into the media side of things. But Bro has been doing something called the Bro Road Tour for many years where he and his wife, Heather, would travel to different uh, retail outlets and, and uh, you know unveil new products from companies like Aquaview and, and Fraybill and, and others and really go out and meet with consumers and really talk about new products. Well, this year the Bro Road Tour, because of COVID, has been canceled. And in addition, the ice fishing shows like the St. Paul uh, Show and others across the country have been canceled just because of COVID. And so working with Chris Russell at uh, Freebill, we put together a program where it's going to be a basically a, a Bro Road Tour. We're going to call it the College of Ice because we're really going to go into advanced techniques on uh, you know, locating, catching, and, you know, and the new products that are out there and, and things. And it's going to be on Facebook Live starting November 4th. And what's cool about it is that we can, um, we can actually distribute this through multiple Facebook pages through Facebook Live. And for viewers, not only are they going to get great information, but they have a chance to, if they, if they comment during the show, we're actually going to put them in for a drawing for an ice fishing package worth almost a couple hundred bucks. And so it's, it, our goal is to really bring ice fishing out to the uh, avid anglers and, and celebrate ice because, you know, here in Minnesota right now, we've got snow on the ground already. Uh, I saw the edges of some of the small ponds are starting to ice up already, and it sounds like you guys are going to have it. And, by the way, uh, just for your listeners, uh, everybody here is, is uh, praying for you guys uh, with the fires and things. It is a, it's a tough situation right now. We've been following that, and uh, sorry to hear what you guys are experiencing right now yeah and you know it's been a really uh tough year i mean i don't want to minimize the personal tragedy that's gone on this year but it's also been a tough year for the outdoor enthusiast we've had you know because of covid we've had areas closed and types of activities not as available well then they opened up and a lot of people went outdoors and we're kind of adjusting to the number of people outdoors and then with these fires so but i still think Getting outdoors is vital to your men, men, just your mental health uh, in times like these. And we're going to cover a lot of options to get outdoors. There's still a lot to do outdoors, and we're not that far. We get some ice up here in the mountains fairly early, and down on the front range, we're only a, maybe six weeks away. And so we're probably only a couple weeks from some of the opportunities. So we're going to have ice. How many episodes will you guys be doing on this uh, ice fishing college? We're going to do 12, and they're going to start uh, Wednesday, uh, November 4th at 7 p.m. We wanted people to not skip work for this and and have fun. And then we're going to run uh, uh, Wednesday nights through the end of December, and then during kind of the peak of the launch season for ice fishing, we're going to also add a Sunday show at 7 p.m. All times are central. But, uh, yeah, we asked people to join in, and, and, uh, you know, uh, provide some comments, uh, join us in a discussion, add what you can, and, and, and just enjoy some of the stories. Now, is it going to be available on one of your Facebook pages? Yes, it'll be available on my personal page, Steve Panaz, uh, and then also on Lake Commandos, and then Bro uh, on his page as well, and then the Fraybill site, and, 
I know we're going to be adding a number of others as we go forward, but uh, what's uh, I've, I've been using the uh, distribution program and uh, it, it allows us to go out across uh, different platforms. And it's really kind of cool thing. It'd be a fun experience. I think for people that, uh, that, that tune in. Now let's, let's talk a little ice fishing. We'll remind people again about the uh, ice fishing college before I let you go today. But uh, ice fishing has changed so much. You know, when I was a young ice fisherman, uh, we used to sit on a bucket with these sticks that were like pool cues and jig for crappies almost by hand. And we had poor clothing. You know, if you had good boots were bunny boots from the army surplus. And, you know, you had just couldn't dress right in the shelters. If you didn't have a big shelter that was sucked in the wrong part of the lake, you couldn't stay warm. Boy, has it changed over the last couple of decades, huh? It really has. I mean, we're, we're, we're comfortable. We're mobile. Uh, we have electronics that allow us to see fish. So even if you don't catch them, you're still having interaction with fish and you learn a lot about fish activity. No, it truly is a lot of fun nowadays and very comfortable. And I think that's one of the reasons ice fishing continues to get more and more popular because it is, it is a fun way to get outdoors now. What are, let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about over the years, you know, if you ask, I would say the portable fish houses and the, um, and the electronics were some of the biggest innovations. What are a couple of things that impacted you the most uh, in your ice fishing life? Well, when electronics came on board, it really did uh, change things because not only were you understanding where you were in the lake in terms of water depth and structure and things like that, but you also could actually watch fish respond to your presentation. I mean, Garmin uh, has really brought ice fishing to a high new level, all fishing actually, to a new level with live scope and panoptics. Because now you're not only looking straight down the hole, you're looking to the side of the hole. So a lot of times in situations where you're targeting fish that run up into the water column, fish like trout and, and, and a lot of times uh, panfish like crappie and sunfish, is you can locate schools that may be 80 to 100 feet away. And so in the old days, when I'd walk out into a basin looking for a school of you know, roaming crappie. And I, I mean, I'd cut sometimes 150, 200 holes looking down to find the schools. And nowadays, with the live scope, I can cut a hole, scan, you know, 100 feet one way, 100 feet this way. If I'm not on fish, you know, I may cut 10, 10 holes in the, and before I can find fish. And so that's really changed kind of the search, the search mode. And I think um, the portable shelters, too. I'm still such a fan of the flip-up style shelters where you don't have to unpack your gear. Um, a good friend of mine, Dave Gens, used to say that, Anything you lay on the ice becomes an anchor because you don't want to pick it up to move. And one of the biggest mistakes I think ice anglers make is fishing in the wrong area too long. You know, they wouldn't cast to the same spot in open water a hundred times without moving over and making another cast. But they'll sit on the same hole in the ice sometimes all day because they just don't want to move. But I think you mentioned to me another thing that's made moving really uh, better than it's ever been are the augers we have today. Yeah, in the uh, old days, it was gas augers uh, that were sometimes clunky to start and hard to run. And, and now you've got a chance to run with uh, lightweight uh, products uh, that run off of either a drill system or even the hand augers. The blades are so good nowadays with the curved blades and the, and the superb steel um, that it really allows you to cut holes easily and makes moving interesting. There's a new company out there actually called Razor. Uh, it's razorpower.com if you want to check it out. But they offer 
uh, high-quality steel units uh, for your drill system. That's actually a combination hand auger, or you could use your power drill to run, and they're under uh, 90 bucks in most cases now. And what's nice about those is you can move and, and, and not have all that heavy weight, especially when you're walking out early in the season um, or, you know, heading up into the mountains or something. Yeah, it really makes a difference here in Colorado. We've got some lakes that you can run ATVs and snowmobiles, even a few you can drive cars on, but a huge number of the ice, the lakes we ice fish here, you end up walking on, and keeping that weight down is critical to moving. And I'm with you on the hand auger. Early ice, early ice, a hand auger. I, I'll start out early ice with a six-inch hand auger. Um, and there's very few fish that you can't get through a six-inch hole. Now, if I'm targeting big pike or lake trout, I'll go to a little bigger auger. But with a six- or yep. seven-inch hand auger, I can I can drill a hole so easily as long as I keep sharp blades on it through that ice that it just doesn't make sense to carry another piece of equipment. You know, I, I really learned to appreciate hand augers at a high level in the uh, World Ice Fishing Championships. I had a chance to fish actually two competitions, one in Finland, one in Canada, and and we were limited to uh, hand augers. You, in fact, you couldn't even use sonar gear during the competitions back in the day. I don't know what they are now, but um, I, I really learned to appreciate it. And the U.S. team actually ran a hand auger that allowed us to cut a hole straight down and then drill another hole to the side and break it off. So you had a hole that was double the width. And I'll never forget in the competition on Lake Simcoe near uh, Toronto, Ontario, uh, a woman that was on the Finnish team hooked an absolute mammoth, mammoth lake trout. And uh, it was too small to get up up the ice hole because and she it was 26 below zero she reached down and grabbed the fish i could see her arm moving and she just the fish was too big to get up the hole and if she had drilled the hole like us <laughs> she would have landed that fish and crushed us but in a way it was i felt kind of sorry for her because it was so cold and she ended up with this arm that was frozen like in an l for the rest of the competition after that oh geez well you know we um uh, you talked about being so cold, and that's another advancement. Uh, the clo- Even if you don't have a shelter, the clothing we have today allows you to move around on the ice outside of your shelter. And, boy, and, and except the most extreme conditions, you can stay so warm. I know some of you, I know Fraybill and some of the people you're associated with make great ice fishing clothing, but there's just so much out there for the modern ice fishermen, isn't there? There really is. Uh, I mean, between boots and, and great gloves and and uh, just, uh, you know, ice suits, um, yeah, no, there's there's really no excuse to uh, to have any, uh, you know, discomfort on the ice nowadays. I mean, you can you can have the right clothing uh, and make sure that you're 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 just never going to be cold. Yeah, no, right. absolutely. And, you know, in today's world, there's no reason to put your gear away, your fishing gear away in the winter. Um, you know, you can get started fairly inexpensively. Get out there. And it's going to be a great activity. And in today's world, ice fishing makes social distancing pretty easily easy. If you go with the same household, maybe you'll have a shelter where you can sit together. But a lot of the individual shelters allow you to go with people, interact, but still have your own shelter. And you can be a few feet apart, and it's and it's just a great way to interact and and stay outdoors during the winter. Steve, before we run out of time, tell us again about the ice fishing college. Yeah, it's College of Ice. It's going to run. If you're looking for uh, a location to find it, just go to my my personal Facebook page and friend me uh, either on Lake Commandos or uh, uh, Steve Panaz, my personal page. 
or you could go to Fraybills and just uh, like their page and it'll be on Facebook live, which is really nice because the shows will be live. And so it'll be instant interaction with us. And uh, we really do look forward to uh, sharing, you know, really solid information that uh, can apply on ice. And we're going to have some exciting guests coming in guys like even believe it or not, Kevin Van Dam, one of the, uh, world's uh, best bass anglers lives in Michigan. He's also an ice angler. So we're going to bring him on board. And, and uh, so no, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be uh, 7 PM central on uh, our Facebook live starting next uh, November 4th. Yeah. And I looked at your lineup of guests. You've got like Dale Strothein, I think is going to be on there and he's a great yep. walleye fisherman. Bro is a multi-species angler. He loves to fish panfish in the winter, but he gets overlooked for his walleyes. You do multi-species on your television shows. So whatever kind of fishing you do through the ice, you're going to have people that it applies to. Steve, we're out of time. As always, thanks for joining us, and thanks for being a good sporter. I always give you a hard time, but really respect the knowledge you bring. I hope a, hope a lot of people tune in because I think this College of Ice is Let's get people out ice fishing and teach them how to really enjoy the winter outdoors. Thanks, Steve. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Steve Panaz, a great, great resource. Love the guy. Just one of the true gentlemen in the fishing outdoors. We just got an update on the fire that they're evacuating from Estes to Drake now down Highway 34, mandatory evacuations. They're, they're getting extreme Extreme winds up there, and the town of Estes is really threatened right now. So uh, keep them in our thoughts, and hopefully that will turn out okay. Um, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about being outdoors and uh, how the right adequate and leaving no trace when you're out there. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Growing up and still having fun, they've been serving the outdoor public for 65 years. Locations in Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, Cheyenne, and of course the new store in Loveland is open now, and we'll be having a segment from there later on in the show. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Mary McCormick. Good morning, Mary. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? I am doing great. Um, Where, of course, our thoughts are with the people up on some of these fires right now, but we Absolutely. don't want to minimize we don't want to minimize that, but people still want to go outdoors. So we're also going to talk uh, later on in the show about alternatives. If you were headed up to those areas, the other places you might go, whether you're hiking, whether you're fishing, whether you're hunting, we're going to talk about ways to take advantage of other places. But when we've we've seen something else this year too, Mary, we've seen a lot of people because of COVID get outdoors that weren't doing much outdoors. Either they had gotten away from it or there hadn't been outdoor people. And all of a sudden, we just had this rush of people to understand and take advantage of the outdoors. And it, it causes sometimes, it takes education, I guess I should say, because these people maybe don't know the etiquette and the proper way to act. And I think they're good people. They just need to be educated. Well, you have formed a new partnership with a with somebody very uh, called Leave No Trace that really is going to be aimed at that, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. I mean, I think that, you know, the one thing that COVID really showed us is that, or is showing us, is that you know, people need nature. People are going back to their roots, essentially, right? And, and nature is healing. It, it's good for your mental health. It's good for your physical, emotional health. And, you know, we have seen, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50% increases in um 
you know, visitation, license, pass sales, all those things. But with that has also come, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, irresponsible behavior in the outdoors. And I'm sure everyone has probably experienced that firsthand at some point in the outdoors uh, and witnessed that. And so this is a, a real exciting partnership that um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife and the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics um, has entered into, and we will be or are the first state agency that that manages parks, you know, fish and wildlife uh, to enter into a, a partnership of this scale with Leave No Trace. So hoping to be a model for the rest of the country, um, but really wanting to demonstrate our commitment as an agency to really, um, like you said, really hit home that education piece of how and why it's so important to practice leave no trace um principles when you are recreating outside yeah and and i i we don't want to um come down on people we want them outdoors Um, absolutely i I spent my whole career trying to encourage people to get outdoors there's a there's a, a value system and a bonding when you become an outdoor enthusiast and almost all outdoor enthusiasts end up becoming conservationists because they start to appreciate what they're experiencing and you create so many memories with family and friends. You want those resources to remain and be preserved and in a useful way. And a lot of it's just people have been rushed outdoors. There, there have been we've been put under stress because of COVID, and our our whole social interaction has been maybe a little, uh, maybe we've all been a little guilty of it. I think. And we're not trying to get people to confront people with this. We just want to help educate people. And I think the outdoor enthusiasts and the sportsmen have a little bit of a duty to talk to their friends and neighbors when they're outdoors and talk about preserving the resources. What are some of the tenets of Leave No Trace, Mary? Sure, yes. No, I, and I appreciate you saying that. I think it, it's critical that you know those of us that care about these things and want to protect the outdoors share um, share these values with other people and hopefully inspire other people. Um, so the the basics of, and I know a lot of outdoor people, you know, practice this. So the more you can encourage it, the better. Um, but the first um, leave no trace principle is plan ahead, plan ahead and prepare. And that includes like knowing the rules and regulations of where you're going, um, traveling and camping on durable services. So that's kind of that stay on trail messaging and, and, you know, just trying to protect, you know, erosion and things. Um, disposing of waste properly, and I like to always remind folks that that includes dog poop bags because that seems to be something people like to leave behind on trails and, and not dispose of properly. So throwing out your trash, leaving what you find, you know, so not picking flowers and um, that kind of thing. Um, respecting wildlife, so that's, you know, obviously a huge component of what we like to talk about, keep, keeping wildlife wild. Be considerate of other visitors that, you know, part of that is pets. You know, not every, I know Colorado, we all, you know, love dogs, but not everyone really loves dogs. And so it's important to be considerate when there are leash laws of practicing that. And then, you know, the last one, which is very, you know, pertinent right now is the minimizing campfire impacts, right? I mean, Colorado, we're witnessing what it happens when these devastating wildfires rip through our communities and, it is so, so important that people respect those fire um, restrictions when they're in place and are really good about putting fire campfires out or putting them in 
um, the proper areas that you're supposed to. So um, those are kind of the basics of the, the principles of Leave No Trace. Now, will you and as your as partners with Leave No Trace, are you, do you have some special educational activities planned? Do you have some messaging that's going to be put out in different ways? How are you going to take advantage of this partnership? Absolutely, you know, and I think because it's it's new, you know, it's kind of like we're some of it's learn as you go, right? There's definitely some things we try to put in the the agreement between the two organizations. And I should say we're also um, working with the Colorado Tourism Office, who is also working with Leave No Trace. We kind of have a three-way partnership um, with this kind of Care for Colorado, which is our kind of Colorado-specific Leave No Trace messaging. Um, but one of the main things is is making sure that Leave No Trace is part of our training program. You know, a lot of our wildlife officers and our park rangers go through intensive training before they actually get on the job and so we are ensuring that at least a basic training on leave no trace um is is within that training program so that's one of the the big things that we are committed to on the cpw side and a lot we're already doing you know a lot of parks are doing leave no trace programs you know wildlife officers and park rangers are sharing that information all of the time um, we have it in a lot of our printed materials. Um, another goal is to, to have um, really consistent signage throughout the, the um, system where it kind of just, you know, encourages those leave no trace principles. I think it's important. Um, we're running out of time here, but I think it's important that people understand that Colorado Parks and Wildlife doesn't just maintain and manage things for hunting and fishing. You're responsible for the habitat for a huge part mm-hmm. of the outdoors in Colorado and 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 you really manage it for the the campers, the hikers, the bird watchers, the wildlife watchers, along with the hunters and anglers. So it really behooves everybody to pay attention and conserve and take care of our resources. Mary, any last comment? No, I think no, just appreciate you having me on and and just encourage folks to to look up Leave No Trace and Colorado Parks and Wildlife and keep your eye on this new partnership. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Mary McCormick from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. You've missed it earlier. Um, they are evacuating from Estes down to Drake now, mandatory. The winds are whipping up there. The fire is really looking dangerous. We'll try to keep you posted. We're monitoring what's going on in that activity. Um, but what we're going to do is uh, Austin Parr is going to join me in the next segment. And we're going to talk about there's still a lot of alternatives outdoors. If you were planning to do something in these fire-closed areas, we're going to help you find other places to maybe go fishing, hunting, camping, hiking, things like that. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which was brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Just take those old records on Little Bob Seeger to get your toe tapping this morning. You're listening to Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. These are uh, trying times, my friend, to say the least. Uh, Wanted to get you on and talk. Well, first of all, we're going to talk a little bit about the fires and how they're changing people's outdoor behavior, and then we're going to give people some options that maybe they can do because we still want people outdoors, and the fire's... I don't want to minimize them, 
but they're, they consume our thoughts with the fires and COVID. And maybe people are putting off activities they could still get done. There's still going to be, we got weather coming in, but there's going to be a lot to do outdoors. First, um, we heard that they're now evacuating from Estes down to Drake. You were actually up in that area just a, a week or two ago. Uh, what can you tell us about if somebody wanted to go fishing up in the north, north central part of Colorado? Is it just totally out of, out of bounds? Yeah, I mean, I was in Grand County um, right as the, the fire was really exploding. And, and recently, um, this morning, was just kind of looking at where we're looking at road closures and actually uh, a new wildfire that started this morning on Highway 9 in between um, Green Mountain and Silverthorne. It looks like they're going to get that one out, but that road was closed, too. But it just it shows, obviously, is how, how dry everything is um, and how quick everything can ignite. But Anything that's going to be in that that Kremlin area, I say, could potentially be in still if someone's looking to do that. Um, But depending upon how these wind directions change, it certainly could uh, flush some smoke into some of those valleys as well. Yeah, I think I probably, um, I I don't think you can even get up there, but I would obviously stay away from, you can't really fish much on the Big Thompson and the Pooter right now. and You've got nothing at all there. You've got the North Park lakes that I think they're still available, but it, it might be very difficult to get to. And, of course, that whole valley up there um, by Walden and North Michigan, I, I, the, I know the evacuations are up to State Forest State Park on one side. So a lot of people who are planning and fishing and hunting up there probably need to change their plans. Uh, for you hunters that drew tags on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we actually have a um, – we reposted a podcast with Parks and Wildlife on what your options are to get your points back, get a refund, and maybe some of the options that you can still get out and go hunting with. So th- those are options out there. Um, and, you know, before we get into fishing, Austin, I know you're an avid hunter. There's – if you lost your place to draw, there's still over-the-counter licenses, and there's a lot of land in Colorado that will still be huntable. Definitely. And, uh, you know, right now, I think just the big thing that everyone really needs to watch for, and I know it's being talked about over and over again, but simple things as far as fire danger, like where you're parking your vehicle, where you might be driving your four-wheeler, if and there's any smokers in the woods, obviously that's a big-time no-go at the moment. Um, but making sure that, that we're being extra safe on that front so we don't expand this this uh, closure anywhere else is going to be really important. But, yes, you're very correct that, that you can get an over-the-counter license and, and adjust yourself and uh, various other units that are across the state and away from that uh, north-central Grand County, Larimer County kind of area. Uh, so adjusting yourself uh, to the west and to the south with some over-the-counter licenses still can provide some opportunities uh, for people to get out in the woods this fall. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's talk a little fishing. Uh, let's start with trout and salmon and some of those options. A lot of people love to head up to that Granby area for lake trout. They like to go to North Park, which I think you can still fish right now, but very difficult to get there going after the browns and the big rainbows. Uh, what are some of the options? If you, if you probably wouldn't want to head up there today, you want to stay out of the way of the firefighters, where could I go for that kind of fishing? Yeah, there's still great options and some very overlooked, especially lake trout waters as you're heading down toward that Leadville area. Uh, adjusting yourself south and getting into turquoise and twin lakes, both can really offer some absolutely fantastic lake trout fishing down there that honestly gets hit a lot less than, than Granby or Green Mountain would on a, on a typical year. Uh, so that's a great option there as well. And 
Although we're going to be getting some snow here, obviously, a little bit longer-range trip to the tail end part of next week as we uh, are starting to, to clear a little bit down to the Gunnison Valley. is always a beautiful area. There's still browns running, from what I've been hearing, and, and residual kokanee salmon that are down there as well. And, and obviously, the, the lake trout opportunity is certainly on Blue Mesa. So those guys all can provide some, some great fishing and, and still some great tailwaters in that area, too, jumping up to the, the Taylor River area below uh, uh, Taylor Dam there, that can be a fantastic uh, body water to fish both conventionally and on the fly for some truly trophy fish that can get some of your big fall brown trout fix going uh, away from some of these flowers. Now, what if I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a weekend novice trout fisherman and I just want to take a chance driving up. We got the snow, we got the fires. I would think that the trout up and down the front range, the water in these lakes is going to cool drastically after the next couple of days. It's going to trigger a lot of different fishing. And I know we're going to talk, we'll talk walleyes. We're going to do that later in the show too. But and a lot of those things will take off. But there's going to be a lot of trout fishing, both from a boat and shore. And I think we're going to see a lot of stocking on the front range too, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and lakes kind of that come to mind, especially as we're going to start to see some of this smoke subside a bit, hopefully with a big giant snowstorm here. Uh, but Barber Ponds and St. Brain State Park come to mind uh, pretty frequently there this time of year. Uh, there's great stocking that is, is there along with various other multi-species options as well. But then places like Aurora and Chatfield can offer freshly stocked fish as well as holdover fish from the, the summertime and spring stockings. And you can get some really nice fish out there that are some, some very high-quality 20-plus-inch fish, as, especially as we're going to be cooling right now. We've, we've been dealing still with pretty warm temperatures uh, in these front-range lakes, and this cold front here is really going to help that a lot and get those trout up shallow on the shorelines. It really will, and the snow brings that water temperature down so quickly. And then it's going to get nice again towards the end of next week. And the water temperature aren't going to come up very quickly because the nights are going to be cold. In fact, they'll probably continue to fall after this next cool off. And, you know, suppose I'm a new angler and I want to go out for some trout. I just want to get out of the house. I don't want to go up to the fire areas. Where can I, how would you approach shore angling for trout this time of the year? So to start with, I would invest in the, the $10 and change habit, or uh, excuse me, a second rod stamp uh, to go on to your license. So typically what I would end up doing is positioning myself. Uh, if there's an inlet or anywhere area like that, that's always a place that I start, but off a point or, or on the edge of a bit of a drop-off can work well too. But position yourself with a bait line. It could be as simple as something like a night crawler, but you can also incorporate things like dough bait with power bait options and salmon eggs. But cast that out on a tight line with a Carolina rig, meaning you're having a sliding slip sinker tied with a swivel below it as a stopper, and then having a small section of leader with a hook on the end of it, um, and letting that sit on a tight line, and then utilizing your second rod stamp to throw various small jerk baits like some of the new Berkeley hit sticks, various Castmaster or Tasmanian Devil options can work, but even a basic spinner also can work well, being a rooster tail or a blue fox or a panther martin. And you can work your shorelines like that, work your area for a bit of time, and then move down and, and keep adjusting your bait line and keep adjusting your, your casting presentation. And eventually, a lot of times, you can get into a pattern that can provide a lot of great fishing uh, with some good numbers this time of year. Well, you know, one of the things, a lot of states allow chumming. Colorado doesn't. But by using, like, say, power bait on your second rod, you're actually accomplishing chumming in a legal way because it puts so much scent into the water. And if, even yep. if you're not catching them on that, 
that power bait. Your comment about throwing the lure through there, you're, gotta, you're probably exposing it to a lot more fish. It really is an effective way to fish. Hey, Austin, we're up against a break. I'm going to ask you if you can hold on. When I come back, I want to talk about maybe some other types of fishing options and maybe even touch on a little ice fishing if you have time. Sounds great to me. All right, we'll take a quick time out, and we'll return with Austin Parr on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Best American band that ever played, the Eagles. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're talking to Austin Parr. Let's go right back to the phone. Austin, um, we only have a few minutes, but a couple things I want to touch on. The first thing is we talked about maybe some of the trout fishing options for people that have to change their plans. What about if I want to get my boat up and down the front range, uh, is there places maybe even up into Wyoming or down south? Where would you kind of recommend? So right now, uh, the walleyes have been slightly slow over the last little bit, but a, a strong cold front like this, especially as we start to flatten out on, on pressures and stabilize our weather next week, is really going to, I think, turn on. Uh, so places like Chatfield and Cherry Creek with the standard jigging wrap and blade bait presentations can most definitely be effective. Pueblo should be coming into play as far as production is concerned. But slipping up into Wyoming and heading to Glendo has – definitely already been good and i think is going to get even better as we get cold like this and then right now especially with some of the lower water levels definitely can't forget about mcconaughey uh heading up into the southwest part of nebraska there uh, into that that edge of the panhandle it can provide some gigantic walleyes right now and various techniques like slabbing spoons with flea flies and real bait coffin style spoons and then uh, jigging wraps and I'm sure some blade baits as well all can be productive, but that's certainly something I would be considering uh, for a multi-species opportunity and especially a focus on walleyes. Well, we're going to talk even more about that in the next segment with the guys from Tight Line Outdoors, but those are great, great, uh, great suggestions. And now I want to take just a couple minutes. I know that we're going to get some cold weather, and I know people think that we're going to get nice after it. People think that maybe it's too early to talk ice fishing, but up in some of the mountain areas, I think we're going to have fishable ice pretty soon, actually, with this weather change. And then it won't be long before we get some at some lower elevations. If you're not that inclined to go out fishing as the weather changes with your long rod, this is a great time to go through your tackle, sort it out, and kind of decide which parts of those tackle will also fit your ice fishing and start making plans and start getting ready for ice fishing. What are some of the things you suggest to people that maybe they should start looking at for their ice fishing outings? Well, to kind of start with this year, um, if it's anything like the pandemic was in the middle of the summertime, I would certainly prepare early, and I definitely am as a retailer by getting a lot of stuff in because we could potentially be having some issues with supply chain uh, with a lot of people going ice fishing across the whole country, maybe some ski resorts operating at, at lower capacities. So getting early on, on that front can definitely be good. But I would definitely be looking through line, making sure that uh, you're not dealing with any rotten line that's been sitting in the garage heat all summer long. Uh, make sure your memory is, is good on that. So changing line, definitely. Uh, batteries as well. Vexlar batteries, any kind of flasher batteries, uh, those lead-acid batteries go bad very, very quickly, and especially if you're not keeping them charged. So making sure those are holding a good charge is solid. And for anyone out there uh, fishing with a, a gas auger, making sure you're starting up correctly and not needing to do a carburetor rebuild before this starts, all are things that I like to, to consider as we're starting to, to think about this. And then finally, looking through your jig selection, making sure you have all your favorite jigs in there, 
Um, a lot of your great colors. Uh, we sell tons and tons of rat finkies and new wolf finkies from Custom Jigs and Spins. There's a lot of hot new tungsten options out there on the market. So there's lots of great options there as well. But making sure those items that are somewhat perishable uh, to get get those fixed before you head on the ice definitely is, is important. And then blades, too. I can never forget about those. Well, you know, we're going to talk more about ice fishing as we get into November. But one of the things I like to bring up, too, this time of the year is if you still are getting out in your boat, start thinking, you know, fish don't just magically go to different places when a lake freezes. Start watching how the fish are migrating, which way they're moving, and start picking out maybe those spot-on-the-spot pieces of structure that you can find on your electronics and marking them on a GPS so that you can walk to those in the ice without drilling 100 holes. It can save save you so much time in the winter, Austin. I completely agree, and and getting onto those particular locations and, and being able to hit them when, when the, the time of the day is correct, because I find a lot of people try and find those spots, and by the time they finally get to that particular location, it's already 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and the bite has died. So getting to those spots early morning and or late evening, depending upon when you're going, especially when we're talking about walleyes, but uh, getting to those spots on that bite window and, and being able to set up on them immediately is absolutely critical uh, and, and even maybe getting a, a smaller sonar uh, that, that offers some mapping features that you can download some of these great maps. We have resources, too, for the open water. I use that all the time, and, and they're very inexpensive, and, and a smaller ant sonar can pay huge dividends when you're trying to find those break lines, whether lake trout fishing or walleye fishing or, or any kind of fishing, really. If people want to go to my uh my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wichstrom, there's a, probably a dozen or more ice fishing shows on there, and a couple of them, one of them at North Michigan and another one at Red Feathers, a lot of them are filmed right around here, but we, I almost do a clinic on electronics. Now, it's a little bit not the most modern electronics, but it really applies where I use sonar and I use GPS to find locations I found in the summer, and then I show you how the fish react to those presentations through the ice with uh, by downloading the screenshots right onto the computer. So a lot of information on uh, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But the electronics have made it so good uh, and so easy. But we just got great fishing. And you don't need to spend a ton of money to get into ice fishing if you don't want to buy the electronics, do you? No, I mean, you can, can really get set up for just a couple hundred dollars, like really nice and set up with augers and rods and jigs and the whole nine yards. But uh, you, you can get out and have some of the best fishing of the year as well, especially if you're looking to get a kid out, get into a place like Terryall or Georgetown really can, can offer fantastic action. Uh, and you can catch great numbers of trout on the ice on this early season. So certainly being prepared and, and getting ready for that. Uh, there's a, a great time of year coming up here, and, and hopefully we're going to get nice and cold and, and lock some of these lakes up here very quickly. And I think that that could potentially be happening uh, sooner rather than later. I think so, too, but I think we'll still have a lot of options. I think the important oh, yeah. thing is to get people outdoors. There's going to be open water shore options. There's going to be boat options, both uh, down here in the mountains, and I think very soon in the mountains we may have some ice options. So we'll be talking a lot about it over the next few weeks. Austin, if people want to get a hold of you for more information, how do they do that? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet, Austin Parr. He's just a great resource. Trying to keep you people in the outdoors and away from the fires. We're doing all that and more today. We're going to come back and we're going to talk some more walleye fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.